Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Morning, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, 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 are you enjoying the uh, inclement weather? I am. I fed the birds this morning on top of the snow, and so I'm having an interesting Hitchcock moment on my back patio with about a thousand birds. Hey, it's, it's actually not, not. It's about thirty. But it, you know, if they all flew at me at once like they did in the movie, it would be really scary. It, it's never a bad podcast when we can have a Hitchcock reference, as far as I'm concerned. I'm just saying Alfred Hitchcock was the man. Um, And I know he did a lot of weird things and he was also like, he scared the snot out of a whole bunch of his lead actresses, but but that's for discussion for another day. Yes. So I, I know that we had started to, or you and I had started to try to plan. I don't know why we do this because who knows how long this plan will actually hold, but we had started to plan about talking about various commissions. Yeah. Various uh, government commissions. Yes. And, and sort of what the precipitating event was and who made up the commission and then sort of what they did and where that led us to in sort of the post commission era. Yeah, I mean, because uh, listeners, uh, me and I started thinking about doing a a series of podcast episodes on government commissions, Uh, and it actually originated with our discussion about weird government investigations, okay, because these commissions typically investigate a phenomenon that has occurred, and the government's trying to get answers to why X occurred. And the cool thing about these commissions is that they always produce a huge report, right? Right. Which we are going to link. (laughs) We're going to put on the research guide for every time that we talk about a commission. We're going to put their their report. Um, We're going to put their findings as much as we can. And if if there are other things like if there's um, government documents about the precipitating event, or about what happened afterwards, we'll try to include as much of that as we can. Yeah, and, and, and again, for our, our faithful listeners, you know, do recall that when we first started this podcast, okay, we said, ostensibly, it would be about, okay, conversations on government documents, right? right. So we're and getting they, back to our roots. Yeah, we're getting back to our roots. And again, with these commissions, I mean, Say what you will about the government, okay? You know, the, the negatives, its weaknesses, etc. But when the government, okay, commissions or puts together a commission, they do some really cool stuff, okay? Um, they can have a huge impact in various, you know, areas of politics, policy. Um, and in the case of our first commission, have left us with a whole bunch of questions and conspiracy theories. <laughs> oh, that's the magic of this particular commission. So today we're going to talk about the Warren Commission. Yes. And um, what I know, I'm going to tell you what I know, and then Augie's going to tell us the rest, um, <laughs> because he's done a lot more research on this than I have uh, uh, 
by far. So the Warren Commission was a response to the assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Yes. So here, okay, I will tell you what I know as far as what was being said at the time, which was how could this have happened? It couldn't have just been one person. And then you get into all these theories. You get into the grassy knoll theory and you get into magic bullet theories and you get into right all these kinds of things. And so because there was so much um, distress in the nation and because it seemingly just couldn't have happened the way that it had been reported, wasn't it President Johnson said, all right, let's have a commission, let's have an investigation and and settle the question yeah. of, of what happened during the assassination, which of course, by the way, uh, spoiler, it didn't, but <laughs> it didn't fully settle those questions. But, but yeah. anyway, so, so no, I mean, when, when was the f commission, so that's pretty much the purpose of the commission, right? Was to investigate the assassination of President Kennedy. Yes, okay. Um, uh, in, in actually, Nia, a lot of, nearly all of what you just said is spot on, right? So President Kennedy was assassinated um, in November of 1963. And a mere two weeks later, um, his successor, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, issued an executive order creating uh, what is now known as the Warren Commission. Uh, the uh, commission was named for its chairperson, who happened to be the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court at that time, Earl Warren. But commissions are not always run by Supreme Court justices, right? Oh, that's highly unusual. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's highly unusual. Um, uh, and in fact, uh, I've read a number of biographies uh, of Earl Warren. Earl Warren did not want to do it. I wouldn't want to do it either, to be honest. You want me to investigate one of the most traumatic events for the nation? Uh, I think I have other things to do. Yeah. Uh, I got to wash my hair. <laughs> I've got to walk the dog. I don't have time for this. And, and, and by the way, I'm supposed to be also leading one the Supreme of the, Court, one of the branches of the federal yeah. government. Okay. I'm, I'm slightly busy. Earl Warren, uh, his hesitancy was rooted in the fact that um, uh, he thought that no matter how well the commission investigated the assassination, that its conclusions would be called into question. And uh, spoiler alert, he was right. Yeah, he was right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he he could read the writing on that particular. Well, yeah, and, and 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 for our listeners, particularly our younger listeners, you have to put it into context, right? When Kennedy was assassinated, the country was not nearly as jaded and polarized as it is today. Right. Okay. Now, yes. But we were in the Cold War. Okay, we were in the Cold War. Okay. Um, and yes, okay, the nation was divided on uh, uh, the issue of race, you know, because this is 1963. So, I mean, the civil rights movement uh, was at least a decade and a half into its effort to 
change laws, change attitudes in regards to how the country dealt with African-Americans. But we didn't yet have the Civil Rights Act because that was 1964. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't have the 1964 Civil Rights Act. But Kennedy was different. Okay. And even if you are a Republican, you know, understand that President Kennedy, a Democrat, okay, was supposed to be a different kind of politician. He was younger. Uh, you know, the, the country had eight years of the Eisenhower administration. And I'm not being critical of President Eisenhower, but President Eisenhower was pretty much by all accounts, um, an incrementalist, don't rock the boat president. Okay. Um, I just wasn't a risk taker, right? You know, Ike led the country the decade after the country got out of World War II, right? Um, uh, it was the steadying force that we needed. Needed after a at war. At that time, right. Yeah, like after to- a war, okay? But Kennedy takes office. Gets he's young. Yeah, he's rash, young. Yes. He's, he's handsome. He has a young family. He's he pulls together. He's Catholic, which is the first time we've had a Catholic president. President. He pulled together uh, a cabinet that was referred to by the press as Camelot. You know, these young, bright, intelligent cabinet secretaries who are going to bring the country into the second half of the 20th century. Although, listeners, we should also recognize President Kennedy did have his faults. He um, he used pain medications. Uh, sometimes over much. Um, he was unfaithful. Yeah, he, he was. He, was he, he brought his brother in as attorney general, which there's some real questions about the ethics of that. Um, he was involved in the whole Bay of Pigs fiasco. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, and he had a, wins and losses. Let's yeah, and, and as a Democrat, and again, this really shows you how the parties have changed. He was, uh, uh, as a Democrat, he was a Cold War Democrat, okay? He believed the Soviet Union was the nation's enemy. Um, So it was definitely a mixture of, you know, liberalism, but also realism in regards to U.S. foreign policy, right? Okay. Right. The Cuban Missile Crisis happens under Kennedy. Yeah, under Kennedy, right? You know, where the Soviets you know, put a whole bunch of nukes in Cuba. uh, Aimed at us. Yeah, (laughs) okay. Not at the island nations of the Caribbean, but, you know. Right, okay. You know, the weapons weren't pointed at South America. Right. right? (laughs) They were were pointed at us. It was a... It it was a different time, right? So he gets assassinated and... And that's a huge shock for the nation. Like that... Right. His death... Um, so uh, an aside, if you, if you go on YouTube and I'll try to remember to link it to the research guide, there is a very short clip of Walter Cronkite announcing the president's passing and Walter Cronkite takes his glasses off so that he can look at the clock on the wall and report the exact time of the president's death, which is as emotional as anybody had ever seen Walter Cronkite be up till that point. Yes. Like that, even he was, I think, taken aback by the idea that the president had died in this way. Yeah. So 
President Johnson, uh, a couple weeks after the assassination, issues an executive order creating the commission. Congress uh, passed a resolution to fund the commission. And, uh, and this becomes pretty important, gave the commission the authority to subpoena witnesses. So the commission, if you, let's just say for instance, Nia, you were uh, a witness that the commission wanted to interview and you didn't want to do the interview, the commission could subpoena you. And if you refused, you could, be, you could have been thrown in jail for refusing. Oh, okay. contempt of Congress. Yeah, yes, that's right. Okay. Which, I mean, I hold them in contempt occasionally anyway, but this is a different kind of contempt, <laughs> yeah, I think. Right. This is yeah. the legal kind. Yeah, the legal kind, right? So do, is that a common thing with commissions? Is that they, is that they're given subpoena power or is it mixed? It's mixed because okay. we're, we're going to be taking a look at some commissions that are designed to study a government institution or part of a government institution um and they don't have subpoena power right okay um on the other hand for instance the 9-11 commission uh which was uh, uh put together after the 9-11 terrorist attacks the 9-11 commission had subpoena power okay so yeah. it just depends on okay yeah. so that's a thing we'll need to note okay so yeah. they have subpoena power and they have the chief justice of the supreme court as their chair as their chair yeah, but then it also had some members of Congress, right? Uh, and it was of both political parties. Uh, Dick Russell, who had been a longstanding uh, Southern Democrat in the Senate, he was a Democrat. Um, uh, John Cooper, Republican from Kentucky. Um, uh, Hale Boggs, uh, he was the House Majority Whip. Okay. And from that name, he's got to be from the South. Oh, yeah. He was from Louisiana. <laughs> Hail Boggs. Yeah. That's the kind of thing we name our yeah. kids. In the yeah. South. Hey. By the way, he was part of, uh, uh, and, and this is a connection to a previous podcast episode, he was part of the Huey Long political machine in Louisiana. Oh. <laughs> See our characters episode for yeah. Huey Long. Gerald Ford, who would eventually become president after Richard Nixon resigned, uh, Republican from Mich uh, Michigan. Um, we also had the former director of the Central Intelligence Agency, Alan Dulles. Um, John McCloy, who was uh, the uh, former president of the World Bank. And the general counsel, the legal counsel for the commission, was the Solicitor General of the United States at that time, uh, J. Lee Rankin, okay? Yes. In addition to those heavy hitters, Nia, um, the commission had over 20 staff members and lawyers assisting the investigation. So it's a big commission. It's a big group of people. Oh, it was huge. If they I threw mean, a lot of resources at this question. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, and you're talking about some heavy hitters. Okay. Um, among the staff members, for instance, was Arlen Specter, who ended, ended up becoming a, a U.S. attorney and a, a U.S. senator from the state of Pennsylvania. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So we're, we're, this was a criminal investigation. <laughs> okay. I mean, 
in many ways, okay, they were not trying to re-prosecute, uh, you know, Lee Harvey Os Oswald, okay, um, you know, uh, who was uh, uh, arrested for, you know, the assassination of Kennedy and uh, also uh, for shooting uh, Governor Connolly uh, from Texas, who was also riding in the car with JFK and uh, uh, First Lady uh, uh, Jacqueline uh, uh, Kennedy. Okay, so they weren't really- Governor yeah. and Mrs. Connolly were- Yeah, they're, yeah, okay. Were in the- Yes. Um, but nevertheless, to your point, this was a well-staffed, well-funded, and they had all the necessary legal tools to investigate what actually went on, okay? Uh, the commission meetings uh, were closed, but not secret, meaning, okay, uh, the public and the press could not attend the meetings, but there were minutes taken at their meetings. And some, most of those meeting minutes have been released, okay? They have been released. They're part of the National Archive, okay? They're part of the National Archive. Um, before we get to the conspiracies, <laughs> you can look this up in the National Archive. And in fact, in the link to the Warren Commission report, um, the uh, commission had, what, 13 conclusions, and some of these are pretty controversial, <laughs> okay? Uh, do you want to go through some of these, or? Uh, uh... I do. I'm curious. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you want to do it in terms of, of, no, let's go through them, and then we will, as we go, mention the conspiracy, conspiracy theories that arose out of yeah out of some of the points that they made in the report yeah so their first conclusion was uh oswald fired his shots from the texas school book depository okay which is not controversial except that people said there's no way you could make that shot there's no way you could that and there actually have been people who've gone in and done it and you can make that shot it just requires somebody with a a lot of skill with a lot of skill okay and a fairly and fair bit of speed right because it's more than one yes more than one shot was fired that's right um president kenny was struck first by a bullet in the back of his neck, okay? But the commission concluded that that, did, that was not necessarily the lethal shot. It was the second bullet that entered the right rear portion of his head, which was the fatal wound. Okay, can we pause for a minute here? Yes. So um, for listeners who may not know, there is a film called the Zabruder film. Yes. Um, there was a man who had a little, what, 35 millimeter camera, and he was filming this because he was going to show his kids and grandkids later, look, that's the president and his beautiful wife and blah, blah, blah. And <clears throat> it appears in the film as if the president 
has been shot from the front because yes. of the way his body Reacted. moves in yeah. the film. Yep. Again, uh, there is, that is one of those things that's slightly more controversial because you don't know what the human body will do when it's shot, right? Like, because every human reacts differently. So, <clears throat> but there are people who say, oh, no, no, he was shot from the front, implying that there was a second shooter shooter yeah. and yeah. that they were on what's called the grassy knoll which is the hill in front of where the car was driving and and so um anyway that's that is somewhat controversial yes okay. that that finding is somewhat controversial governor Connolly was struck by a bullet and this is also very controversial which entered the right side of his back traveled downward through the right side of his chest exiting below his right nipple this bullet then passed through his right wrist and entered his left thigh which caused a superficial wound this is the so-called magic bullet theory right that and there is some controversy about that conclusion because no one has been able to show that a bullet would have been able to do that without a lot of damage to the bullet like Bullets, when they hit humans, compress in ways that are that are. Well, particularly because if they have any kind of contact with bone, they tend to go ahead and pancake. Right. Okay. Or fragment. Yeah. They do or one fragment, of them. Right? right. So many forensic <laughs> forensic uh, uh, experts have challenged this bullet that seemingly traveled a very circuitous route through the governor's body, right? Right. But we should also note for listeners um, that part of the problem that the commission faced was that uh, forensics was in, it, was in its nascence. At that point, forensics was just coming out. You're, you're not really getting a lot of uh, the way you have now a lot more expertise in forensics than you did in 1963. Yes. I mean, the difference between then and now is just night and day. It's, it's. And, and, and by the way, Nia, uh, before we get back to the conclusions of the commission, the commission issued its report in less than a year. Yeah. And okay. even now that would be amazingly fast for an investigation of this depth and length and especially for a president and it's what they were trying to do yeah. was wrap this up yeah right that's what they were trying to do was wrap this up so the nation could heal similarly to uh, and it's not the same thing but but the idea that ford pardoned nixon in part so that we could move on as a nation yes that watergate doesn't continue to hang over us and part of what this commission was doing was saying this needs to not hang over the nation as a as an ongoing thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's going to undermine Lyndon Johnson's pre presidency, presidency if we keep fretting about it and don't wrap it up in some way. Because as we will discuss, one of the conspiracy theories that arose with the JFK assassination was that somehow his vice president was involved 
was involved. Yeah, and people come to that from they were in Texas, and Texas is Lyndon Johnson's home state, and you know, and he hated Kennedy, and blah 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 blah. Um, I personally do not believe that Lyndon Johnson had had no. John Kennedy assassinated. No, I mean because. And if he did, he wouldn't have done it in Texas. That would be clumsy. Yeah, well, no, it wasn't clumsy, but then look at how uh, Johnson uh, uh, acted as president um, uh, in the subsequent years. He upheld the Kennedy agenda almost entirely. Yeah, well, in many cases, he went further than even JFK was willing. JFK was like dragging his feet on the, uh, on the Civil Rights Act, right? Johnson right. plowed ahead and got it. Kennedy didn't want to have anything to do with a Voting Rights Act. Johnson went ahead and got the Voting Rights Act passed, right? I mean, Johnson basically went ahead and uh, 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 betrayed his Southern Democratic roots. I mean, Southern Democrats ended up hating uh, Johnson when John, uh, by the time Johnson uh, left the presidency in 1968, right? I mean, this was a guy, you know, if what he wanted to do was to stop JFK uh, upsetting Southern Democrats. Wow, he had a really strange way of showing it once he <laughs> became president. I mean, come on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the commission concluded, okay, that, uh, and Nia just mentioned this, that there was no credible evidence that the shots were fire, file, fired, excuse me, from the triple under, underpass, which was ahead of the motorcade. Okay, so whatever the Zapruder film demonstrated, yeah, the commission rejected that. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, the commission concluded that there were only three shots fired. And there's been- Hence the magic bullet. Yes, though there are plenty of theories that say there had to have been at least four, if not five or six bullets fired to create the damage in President Kennedy and Governor Connolly, okay? The commission concluded otherwise. Um, uh, let me see what else. Oh, we already talked about the uh, the magic bullet, okay? Uh, yeah, here. I'm fascinated that um, <clears throat> one of the, one of the, um, absolute things that the commission said was that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. Yes. Right. That there was, isn't that one of the, I think that's one of the 13. Yeah. Number is, seven. Yep. Is that he did not have, there was no one else involved. It was not a conspiracy. Conspiracy. That's it was right. An individual. Yep. Yep. Um, and moreover, um, in regards to the individual who killed Oswald, uh, the commission concluded um, that Ruby acted alone, that he was not doing it on behest of uh, a larger conspiracy or the- Oh, that's where you get the mafia connection yes. with- Yes, yes. Um, he worked for the mafia and the mafia had Kennedy killed and then they had Oswald killed because Oswald was the patsy and Oswald called himself a patsy when he was arrested. When he was arrested. Yeah. He said to the reporters, I didn't do this. I'm being set up. I'm a patsy, which is one of the reasons that people have had so many 
um, conspiracy theories over the years about that is because of his denial. However, I put to you that very few people would have said, yep, I did it. I killed the president. What are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? Like there, there are very few people in prison who say they're guilty of the, of the crime they did, even when there is outstanding proof that they did it. Like there's a film of them killing someone and they're like, that's not me on the film. Speaking, right? so, speaking of film, this, this makes reference to, uh, uh, one of my uh, all-time favorite movies, the Shawshank Redemption, um, where, you know, they frequently, you know, <laughs> say in the movie, what? I didn't do it. Everybody here is innocent. <laughs> okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what are you in for? <laughs> Nothing. I didn't do it. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Okay. Um, they all, uh, the commission also concluded uh, that Oswald uh, did shoot uh, a Dallas police officer, uh, J.D. Tippett, uh, 45 minutes after the assassination. This was part of his attempted getaway. Um, right, he went into a theater, yeah. I think. Yep, yep. Uh, the commission also very decisively concluded that neither Oswald or Ruby was part of any conspiracy. I'm going to try to get the quote. Part of any conspiracy, domestic or foreign, to assassinate President Kennedy, unquote. Okay. Uh, so the CIA didn't do it. The Cubans didn't do it. The Yes. Uh, they the were not part of any sort of the mob. They, yes. they were not part of any kind of anything like that. Because you get a lot of conspiracy theories that Castro tried to have, or Castro did have Kennedy killed, right? And um, that's one of the conspiracy theories. And one of the conspiracy theories is that it was J. Edgar Hoover from the FBI, um, who yeah. I would put to you would have done a better job of it if he had decided he wanted to kill Kennedy. Yeah, I but, mean, because, you know, as we discussed, again, in our characters podcast episode, when J. Edgar Hoover wanted to go ahead and put the screws to somebody, he was very effective at doing so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that he would have, that he would have messed it up this badly. Well, in an assassinating Kennedy, when Hoover had so much dirt on Hoover, uh, on Kennedy, I mean, let's face it, okay, Kennedy was of more value to J. Edgar Hoover in office, alive, yeah. than he was dead, right? Because he um, basically owned Kennedy. He had all the dirt on him all the affairs, all the medication he was on, okay, all the corrupt activity the Kennedy family engaged in to get, you know, JFK, JFK uh, elected as senator first and then president. And before uh, JFK, his brother, okay, who was being groomed first to be president, okay. Joe Jr. Yeah. I mean, Hoover, okay, had the goods on the Kennedy family. He didn't right. need them. He didn't need them dead. Right. Okay? Alive basically meant he could continue to be the director of the FBI. And the mob conspiracy comes out of um, Robert Kennedy's prosecutions, right? Of as attorney general. Yeah. That they were trying to get him to back off of prosecuting the mob because he was trying to prosecute mafia figures and bring down and break up the families and do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, when Kennedy ran for president, um, he had befriended 
Frank Sinatra and other members of Sinatra's Rat Pack. Because Peter Lawford was married to one of his sisters. Uh, that's right. And this conspiracy theory basically said the mob tried to go ahead and get their hooks into Kennedy through Sinatra, the Rat Pack, etc. That the mob had supplied some of the women who had um, visited the president in the White House. And the mob was not all that pleased with Bobby Kennedy, uh, uh, President Kennedy's brother, who was attorney general, investigating and prosecuting the mob and the mob's ties to labor unions. So that's another one of the conspiracy theories. Labor unions, okay, didn't like the fact that they were being targeted by the Kennedy administration when labor union, unions historically in this country had supported what political party's candidates? The Democrats. The Democrats, right? So you had all of these theories, right? Oh, the, and, and Castro, it was a response to the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, that's right. Okay. The, the failed. So briefly for listeners who may not know of the Bay of Pigs. Um, so it, before Kennedy was president, actually, during the Eisenhower administration, they, they revolutionaries in, in Cuba who wanted to overthrow Castro asked for help. And the United States said we would help. But then when we did try to help with the Bay of Pigs invasion, it did not go well. It did not go um, well at all. There were it, many it, failures on many sides, but we basically let down the revolutionaries and they were all summarily, I think, imprisoned or killed. Killed by the uh, uh, Castro uh, uh, regime. And the argument here is that Castro was basically striking back at Kennedy for attempting to have him overthrown. That's right. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of conspiracy theories. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people who say, oh, I saw somebody shoot from the grassy knoll. I, I saw a guy standing behind a fence. Like the, part of what happened was they interviewed a lot of people and there were a lot of different stories because eyewitness testimony is terrible. It is terrible. Yeah. Ask any lawyer. They would rather have just about anything than an eyewitness testimony because eyewitnesses are so unreliable. Yes. And, and when you talk about a traumatizing event, like I just watched the president get assassinated and the governor get shot, your memory is, your witness to that event is going to be very uneven across all of the people who witnessed it. Yeah, the trauma causes a shock, right. which affects your ability to perceive events. And afterwards, your mind comes up with, if you will, ways to make sense of what you just experienced, saw, lived through, etc. Exactly. Okay. I mean, it, it's a coping mechanism. Right. I mean, it had to have been somebody behind me because his head moved backwards. I know it did. Yes. You right? know, like, and so... You didn't see that person, but they had to be there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because your brain has to fill that in in order to make sense of whatever's happened. That's been a lot of the folk, I mean, a lot of where a lot of the conspiracy theories come from is that the accounts of the day are different. Um, and so people are trying to account for all of that when what they should do is say, wow, eyewitness, eyewitnesses are pretty unreliable. Probable. yeah. But I'm fascinated, and I want to ask you a quick question in all of your readings and, and research on this. 
did it did the commission ever say we know that Kennedy was the intended victim and not Connolly? The commission never concluded that. I'm I'm just asking because no. maybe not because I'm trying to start start another conspiracy, conspiracy theory. No, but I mean I'm not. But what if what if Connolly was the actual the, the 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 target, right? Right, and it just happens that Kennedy's head got in the way. Which <laughs> I mean, which if you weren't like because it's a moving target and moving no. car, and I'm not saying that to be ugly, but are we even it, certain that Kennedy was the intended victim? And it, it and it was a shot from some distance. Okay. Right. Um, and and yes, there were Secret Service running alongside the car, and I'm going to get to this because this is one of the, this is one of the, because it ties to one of the, the the conclusions of the commission that actually led to some rather significant changes. Right, which okay? is our next part that we're going to talk about is what did the commission fix or change or recommend? Yeah, but I mean, you, the commission did not touch upon or did not offer any definitive conclusion as to which politician was the target, right? I mean, they focused quite a bit on, um, you know, who shot the president and possible reasons why. And they ultimately concluded that Oswald did it himself, but they didn't know the motive. And they didn't know the motive because Ruby shot Oswald, okay? Before. Before, you know, there was any trial, before there was any kind of interview with, you know, uh, uh, Lee Harvey, um, as though I know him, Lee Harvey, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, Mr. Oswald. Um, right. So he might have been firing at Connolly you know, for all right? I mean, because that's the thing about motives of lone gunmen. Right. If he was truly a lone gunman. Okay. And we, we know this because we've now had, you know, you know, nearly 60 years of of lone gunmen engage in, you know, uh, a mass murder. We don't know their reasons. Right. Unless they leave us a letter. Yes. Unless they leave us a letter. Or now, yeah. unless they post it on Facebook before well, they do it. Yeah. On social um, media. But I mean, right. if, if they're not captured alive or in a case of of uh, uh, Mr. Oswald, I mean, he was shot after he was arrested. Within a day. Yeah. So, I or, mean. Or maybe even the same day. But I it mean, was I mean, you want to talk about. Very soon. And again, that's the kind of behavior that you see with a criminal conspiracy. You tie up loose ends. Right. Which is one of the reasons why. People think it's a conspiracy. Conspiracy, right? Right. Okay. You know, that's what. You get rid of the guy who can tell everybody who. Yes. Who hired right. him and what happened and all that other kind of stuff. Yep. And Jack Ruby died in prison from cancer, I think. Yeah. Yep. And again, if you're going to go ahead and pick somebody to rub out, to kill the lone gunman, pick somebody who's got a terminal disease. Right. Okay. The, the last the commission. The last commission. Yeah, go ahead. The last commission. No, no, I was going to say that the findings, right, lead us to changes. The last one leads us to changes, doesn't it? In yeah, the, the commission was very critical of the Secret Service, okay, and offered rather specific recommendations for improving uh, presidential uh, protection. They were critical of the agents. They were critical of the Secret Service. Um, 
in particular, um, cautioning the Secret Service for uh, not getting too close emotionally to their subjects. I mean, because one of the criticisms was a lot of the Secret Service agents liked President Kennedy. And Mrs. Kennedy. Yeah, and Mrs. The one, Kennedy. in fact, who was trying to jump on the car was trying to protect Mrs. Kennedy. Mrs. Kennedy, that's right. Um, okay. But I know that part of, isn't it too part of, they said, well, stop riding in open cars. That's a terrible yes. idea. Yep. And if you look at the car, it's an extra, it's an extra added, there's a driver's spot, then there are two um, seats for uh, two bench seats for riders, Connolly and his wife in the front, and then Kennedy and Mrs. Kennedy in the back. And it, and it's an open top convertible, like yes. they're waving and smiling and you can see them and you can, that, I, there's a reason the president now rides around in what is basically a tank. Yes, a well-fortified tank that probably with the exception of a nuclear weapon, <laughs> okay, nothing's getting through it. Right. Okay. So, I mean, right now, when you see the president in a car, okay, in a motorcade, they may have secret service agents running alongside of it, but that's, that's for show. Okay. That's to exercise the agents. It's like taking them out for a run. Like, yeah, it's right. Like you do with your pets. Yeah. Like, you know, you've loved you know, pets. Yeah. Let's take the horses out and, you know, stretch their legs. Right? Yeah. Okay. Does, if you're going to, uh, I guess part of what that would be is to prevent people from running up and getting in front of the vehicle or, but even then you wouldn't be able to open the door. It's not like the doors aren't locked when the president's inside yeah. and all that glass is bullet bulletproof and the metal is reinforced and all that stuff. I mean, it's a good thing. Um, and it's a similar thing. It's funny because that came out of the commission here in the sixties, but it didn't, it didn't affect other public officials until the Pope had yeah. an attempted assassination in what used to be called the Pope Mobile, which is a was then an open top vehicle and is now a plexiglass enclosed thing. He stands in it, but it's enclosed. It's fully enclosed so Close. that he does yeah. not get shot. Because I think it was John Paul II. Second. Yep. Yep. John Paul II. Okay. So, so that's a big difference, big change in how the president travels from one place to another Yes, um, that came out of this commission. I, I did not realize that what also came out was the emotional attachment. But I guess then what that results in is we see those people get changed out fairly frequently now, don't they? You don't yes. serve a president for your for his entire presidency. You You get moved in and out of yeah, you service, get rotated right? in and out, and you may even get rotated out of the um, uh, uh, presidential protection detail, okay? Because they just they, they the the commission concluded that the agents just had gotten too close, had gotten lax um, in regards to uh, protecting the president and the first family, okay. Well I'm going to speak up here on behalf of the Secret Service for just a second, though. It is awfully hard to say to a president, no, you can't ride in this open car. That's the president of the United States. And you've sworn to serve at his pleasure, right? So I think, too, 
that part of what came out of this commission must have been a more empowering part on the Secret Service to say, no, sir, we can't let you do that because we can't protect you in that circumstance. Yeah, I mean, which I mean, in, in, you know, the commission's being a little unfair there in the sense that I'm not sure that before that Secret Service would have felt comfortable saying no to the president. Well, I mean, hey, think about, for instance, Nia, in our previous podcast episode where Bill Newman shared with us the fact that Harry Truman, um, uh, you know, decided to go to the bank by himself and didn't tell the Secret Service. Right. It, or he went to church because, you know, uh, Mrs. Truman uh, uh, wasn't there on a particular weekend and he was bored and he decided to go to church and he didn't go ahead and tell the Secret Service. Right. right? Or think about, you know, the, 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 the rest of the first family, right? I mean, we've had presidents with kids. You know, Jimmy Carter had kids. Richard well, and Nixon had kids, kids. Sneak off, they do yeah. things, they, you know. Okay, I mean, and, 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 and you know, hey, you know, think if you're, you know, you know, first lady, or now we have a vice president, you know, where we have, you know, the, the, the first dude, right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, these are people who are not used to having protection details, one, but if they've had protection details, having them tell them, well, you can't do X because you are now, okay, the most important figure in the United States government. Right. Okay. Um, you know, it's a hard balance to find. Yeah, right. I mean, and and we want president, yeah, we want presidents to look presidential, right? But if they're guarded by, you know, eight to ten big beefy dudes who <laughs> who can kill you in like 200 different ways. And then we go ahead and stick them in a thing that, as you pointed out, is the equivalent of a tank, okay? Um, how presidential are they looking, right? Right. Okay. Right. Um, well, and part of what most presidents want, I, I know that this happened with Robert Kennedy um, when he was running for president, he would launch himself off the back of vehicles into the crowd because he wanted to shake people's hands and touch them and, and be very physical with people who had come to see him. And you know that the Secret Service was just oh my losing God. hair by the clump, <laughs> oh right? God. Like, stop it! Because there's Shit. no way they can protect him when he does that. I know that what they used to do in his case was wrap an arm around his waist so that he could touch people, but they couldn't pull him further into the crowd. Into the crowd. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, but, you know, presidents, they have to, they have to do that that balance where um like the royal family where they walk along the line and they shake people's hands but there's somebody there to make sure that the crowd doesn't suddenly grab them or pull them or do whatever to them yeah that's, a, no, that's a very scary there there's i would no, imagine that job is really hard i imagine that you worry constantly and you're supposed to take a bullet yeah yep we see when reagan is when the attempt uh, assassination attempt is made on reagan that they learned from the mistake with Ford that they, in Ford's case, they did not have the door to the car open. And so they learned, and in Reagan's case, they did have the door to the car open and they could throw him into the car really quickly, right? So they're always learning new and better ways to, ways, to protect yeah. their, their um, the individuals, especially the president. But what a tough job. Yep. So at the and end the of the commission kind of has a tough job because in the end, 
nobody bought what they were selling. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a 900 page report. There's a 26 volume addendum and there's still parts of it that because of law have never been made available, right? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah there are parts so what's, of- So what's out is redacted? Yeah, I think, yes. Okay. Yeah, in some cases, yeah, right? But I mean, we, we, we went, think about all the, the conspiracies we touched upon. I mean, we, we touched- Oh, and we didn't get anywhere near, if you really want conspiracies, go talk to Oliver Stone. Yeah, you gotta see, you gotta go uh, view the movie JFK made by Oliver Stone, okay? <laughs> because, I mean, he came up with at least three or four different conspiracy theories that I, that even the conspiracy theorists were like, oh yeah, he's just making that shit up, <laughs> that stuff up, right? Okay, I mean, but I mean, it's resonated that long. Right. It's resonated that long, right? And again, you know, in hindsight- And we'll never know, we'll never have a complete- yeah, and, and view of it in part because the forensics are gone. Like yes. the president's body has been buried. They are not going to dig him up. They are not going to. I, I mean, there's no way the Kennedy family would allow that at this point. The, no. So, like, we just have to settle for where we are. Yeah. And we have to settle for this is a little bit like Bigfoot. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we know something happened. We're well, pretty sure what we know happened, but, but there could be. Right? Yes. yes, right. Um, but I feel sorry for the commission because because they did a lot of work and they put a lot of time into it and it still didn't settle the question in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Which some other, I think, commissions had more luck with that. So we'll yeah. get to talk about some of those in the future. It's a fascinating read. If you guys get a chance to read it, um, uh, uh, I read a good chunk uh, of uh, what's available on the archive. Um, I mean, in, in, in from a, a bureaucratic scholar point of view, I was just fascinated about how they constructed it and, and how they attempted to get at it. Uh, but I mean, and hey, some of the members, uh, Gerald Ford, until he died, said uh, one of the proudest bits of work he did was serving on the Warren Commission. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, for listeners, we will have um, links to that on the research guide. And thank you, Augie, for going through it. Um, do you want to preview our next one or are we just going to wait and surprise people? I think we ought to surprise people. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So listeners, you will get your next commission report when we, if, unless something dramatic happens between <laughs> now and then. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, Mia. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.